And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, James, training camp is, I think it's officially done. Preseason is officially done. Um, we're almost here. We're almost into real games. Are you excited? Oh, I'm pumped, Jonas. I'm fired up. Are you? Yeah. I mean, once it starts, it goes by really fast. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how certain things play out. But first, before we talk about that and kind of our outlook um, for the season ahead of game one let's talk about the final cuts um what was your biggest takeaway biggest surprise uh what do you make of what they did to trim down the roster for now biggest surprise um maybe there was no surprise for you yeah i don't know i i think it ended up playing out kind of the way i suspected i guess I guess if there was a surprise, it was maybe the Dennis Morgan situation, although it was evident pretty early in camp that they wanted to give him a chance and that, you know, I think that bringing him over from Switzerland and that was all about potentially giving him an opportunity and the amount that he played with, you know, Tavares or Nylander or like, you can usually tell pretty early in training camp. And I think a lot of fans know this, but once you've been to 15 plus training camps the way that that you have... Uh, you really see like the line combinations. Like we, you could tell really early on in training camp, Wayne Simmons wasn't going to make the team. Yes, and and on on the flip side, you could tell that they really liked someone like Dennis Morgan, and we're going to give him an opportunity. Well, so let's get into that because in in some sense, I think you're right. Like I'm looking at the line combinations to start camp. So Malgan starts camp with Holmberg and Nylander, To your point. Um, Adam Gaudet, obviously Holmberg, sorry to interrupt you. Holmberg is another guy who like, they clearly were looking at really closely to see what he could do. Yeah. I remember watching him that first day at some point in the summer. No, maybe it was in the fall 
at one of the prospect, was at prospect. Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. I sent you a message. I, I, I'm I like, who is this you? guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this guy is interesting, but anyway, um, so I'm of mixed, uh, thought on, on what they did with Malgan and Robertson. Um, because obviously Malgan had a good camp and yet Robertson, I, I think to me was a little bit better. Um, I understand the waiver exemption. The fact that they can just send the Marlies is helpful. I just don't totally love how that ends up playing out for Robertson, where basically your messages to him coming into camp is like, you can grab a job. Like you perform, we'll put you on the team. Basically. Was that a message? The message to him in camp? I mean, it seemed like that's the message that he took, like that there was a job for him to grab, right? No. Well, there, there wasn't. Well, there wasn't. And so that's what I don't- I mean, I guess I guess if Mulgan did, played really poorly, like if Mulgan had one point in six preseason games and didn't look good with the, you know, did, they didn't like the way he looked on the power play and then maybe there was. But I think this is a tale as old as time. Like whenever, you know, the NHL's waiver rules have been in place for a long, long time, like going back, I mean, at least till through to the 80s. Um you know, the, the tie goes to the player that that you might potentially lose on waivers. So, were they going to lose Malkin on waivers? I think the chances are relatively low, but... So, that's yeah, the question, and, and James. Like, he, would you... would you Is it worth risking losing Malkin on waivers to putting Robertson on the team right away, rewarding him for his preseason? That's what I, I... I don't know. I just don't love it, to be honest. To be... Yeah, to be honest to you, Jonas, I think you're, like, making too much of a deal out of the first game of the season because, you know, if... As soon as, like, if Tavares can't play those first two games, then Robertson's in the lineup. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and Sheldon Keefe explained it yesterday by saying, you know, when we decided to sign Yarncroc, we knew we were going to be crazy, crazy tight to the cap. I mean, they're 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 over the cap, right? Like, as soon as Logan gets back, they're they're they they put in their their roster for the season. They're four dollars under the cap. And then Lilgren's 1.4 million, so they're going to be 1.4 million minus four dollars over the cap when he gets back. Like they're they're this is they've been tight every year. This is the tightest I've ever seen it. Well, so that like brings they're, they're 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 entering the year with their actual roster. They want to play is well over the cap. Yes. So that's that's part one, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about that because I like I just. I know what you're saying. Like, it's just a start, but I, I like the message you send to a young guy like that who's been through some ups and downs where you say, listen. But would, so, would, would you say Robertson was clearly that much better than Mulgan, though? Like, I think that- Not they like were, demonstrably, they both, yeah, but- That's why it didn't happen then. Like, I think it, I think you're right. Like, if he was substantially better, that's like, like, if Mulgan was bad, then- Yeah, but so, James, I think Mulgan was good early, pretty good early in the preseason when the lineups were what they were. And less impressive as the preseason went along. Like, I don't My know. My message to Robertson would be: so you're not playing the first game doesn't mean anything. As soon as we like, if we have a major injury to somebody, you're here all season, and that could happen in the first game of the season. And yeah. So he's going to bounce up and down because of how tight they are to the cap, and and the fact that I mean, he's the only one on the entire roster that doesn't require waivers to go up and down. Yeah. He's he's the only player. I mean, other than, you know, home. Holmberg and you know some of the other Marleys potentially, but I'm I'm skeptical at this point of Malgan. Are you a believer? Or are you skeptical like me? I don't think he's going to ever be that a difference maker. Like I think I think he can be an NHL player. I mean, he in Florida he was an NHL player. 
but he's probably like a fourth line guy who gets you 25 points and plays on your second power play unit. Yeah. So, well, so let me, let me phrase it to you this way. Who do you think plays more games for the Leafs this season, Malgin or Robertson? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think if I had to make that bet, I think I would say Robertson. Yeah, I Because I think what, what, what could happen is Malgin could just get the first month of the season and they say, you know what, this isn't working. You know what? We've seen that happen lots. I mean, wasn't it last year? Didn't didn't Amadio make the team out of camp? He did. Yeah. And then that didn't last very long. Or like Jimmy VC, or like there's been lots of examples of guys that coming out of training camp, they were like, Yeah. Yeah, good point. I remember like I remember looking at like the the cut down stuff. Last year, I was reading it, and it was like, "Oh, is is Engvall going to make the team?" Because, like, you know, they, they again they were tight to the cap, and you know, they ended up having some injuries and ended up playing out fine. But I, I, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, that Amadio made the team over over some players. That, he did well, and part yeah. of that was, is exactly what we're talking about here. They they didn't want to lose him basically on waivers, it seemed, and eventually he did go on waivers and he did get claimed right by Vegas. Yeah, so. But I think they want to look at Mulgan, you know, that he's a guy who was still an RFA, who's making league minimum, who had a, who's had some monster years in Switzerland, which is a really good league. And I know I've, I've said that on the podcast in the past and people have made fun of me for it, but it's true. I mean, if you can, if you can be one of the top players in Switzerland uh, in your early 20s, you're probably a pretty good player. Now, will that translate? I don't know. I think he's probably a fringe guy, but the Leafs obviously saw something in Morgan when they traded for him, and they feel like he's a better player than he was when he tried to play for them, what was that, two or three years ago, and they want to see what he can do. It just reminds me a teeny bit, and it's not a perfect comparison, but to what happened with Sandine and uh, what's his, Miko Lettinen, um, where you bring in another guy and he ends up getting the spot and like, I don't know. And, and so that brings me to Sandine. This is a point I made to you. In some ways now but that to, I look, yeah, go ahead. To, to defend the Leafs though, Jonas, like imagine they go into camp, they have two or three injuries to their forwards and like, you know, so they're, they're trying to. Yeah. It's asset management. I understand it. I, I just, I, I, I just think Robertson did what he needed to do to grab a spot and I would tie to the player in your organization who you've been developing for. He's what? 21. Like his time's coming and I, I, if I'm the organization, I say, this is what it looks like on day one. As soon as there's an opening, which there will be, it's yours. Fair. Uh, and you're going to be part of this team for years and years to come. So, you know, if if the player's going to like turn that into some sort of longstanding grudge or something they're upset about and and hold out and miss the start of training camp over that, then I think to me that's on the player. That's not – I don't think the team has to be overly – I mean, it's pro sports, right? Like the team doesn't – yeah, but the, to that point, like he did what he needed to do to earn a job, right? Like, did he? well, no, he didn't because I mean, he should have known coming into camp that they were only gonna they weren't gonna have any extra forwards. They had no cap space, and there was all these veterans there that he had to beat out. Well, so that that brings me to a point I made to you just in our messaging is: would it have made more sense um, to not be so tight and sign Sandine for only one year? Well, I don't know. Do you think Sandine would have signed for one year? I, di- I didn't get the sense that they were willing to do that. What choice did he have, James? Like, if they just said, you know what, the two-year deal is off the table. You can sign for one year or you can not sign at all. What yeah, would happen? I, didn't mind, I don't mind the one-year deal from the Leafs' perspective because I, I just, 
I don't think that there's room for Sandy to get a whole bunch of minutes this year. I mean, I guess maybe if there's injuries or whatever. So like, I don't feel like he's going to cash in next year if he, if he signed a one-year deal. The only thing is there's arbitration and it's kind of sometimes it's sort of out of your hands what he's going to end up getting. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that would give them, you know, an extra half a million bucks, which would make a big difference. I mean, part of, it's interesting with the Aston Reese thing. Like they, they, they basically said to him, "We'll give you every cent we have." You know, the, he signed the contract he did, and it's almost right to the dollar what the Leafs could fit in under the cap. Right, which means four, four bucks. Which means if they than, wanted to, James, they could have done what I am suggesting with Robertson and just paid Aston Reese less. Right. Well, I mean, but again, that's presuming that Aston Reese would sign would take less. Yeah, fair. And yeah, fair. But if you pay paying Aston Reese less isn't the reason why Roberts is not on the team though. No. They did they made the choice like uh, in terms of asset that they'd rather keep Malgan for now and if they need Robertson later they'll bring him up. Although that's an interesting question though because they don't technically have the cap space. Like if they just waived Malgan tomorrow and wanted to call up Robertson, they don't have they don't really have the room for that. No. It would have to be like if like you mentioned the situation with Tavares if he couldn't play there was all kinds of weird speculation about what was going to happen with the cap and whatever. And like, I, I, be, I was saying to you for like the last week, it's like, I think they're going to have to play a guy short for that first game yeah. if Tavares is out. Mm-hmm. And and if they do that, like, can you imagine if they play the season opener with one player short and they lose to, to Montreal, all the, the kind of columns and the hand-wringing that'll, that'll be there? Yeah, well, I mean, is it too tight? Like, is is there a case that like this is a little bit too much of a tightrope? We'll see. It's a, it'd be an interesting question for Kyle Dubas, like how how tight is too tight and like when does it start to hurt you? And I think it hurt them last year. Remember last year, like when they just they couldn't carry any extra forwards and like Simmons was really struggling and, and even Spezza, there were times where he was str- and they just they didn't have any extra forwards. Like they couldn't they couldn't even load management Simmons at periods time last yeah. year. And he just had to play. Good call. The other thing I wonder too, Jonas, that that we see is that when you go on the road, you want to have an extra defenseman. Because mm-hmm. let's say, like, they've they've got that California trip early in the year, right? Like, when I know you're going, that's in, like, a month or something? No, it's less than a It's, like, two weeks away. Less. Okay, so let's say they don't have the cap space to bring any extra players at all. You're out in California. One of your defensemen breaks his finger. Or what if it's in, a minor thing, James? That's, that's more troublesome, it, right? Yeah. Like, minor thing. Some, Can't play. Yeah, and it happens the day of the game. Like, let, you know, it, it that happens. What if someone gets really sick and can't play? Yes. The Leafs won't be able to get one of the Marlies out to California in time if you're not carrying any extra players. That's when that's when it's too tight. And it's interesting that they decided, like I said, this is tighter than they've ever been before. And we've seen all kinds of stuff. We've seen like we we've seen them be really really tight. And like I was saying off the top when Logan comes back they got to trade somebody unless they have an injury to someone significant. Well, that was my next question. Do you think that they're just like basically assuming we're just going to have an injury? Like this is, we're not going to have to do something because something's going to happen and we'll be able to keep everyone. Do you think that's, that's what they're assuming? That can't be right. Or are they just assuming we'll just trade someone? My guess is they, they've gone into previous seasons, like planning on like, how are we going to get another, how are we going to get under the cap? And then they have a bunch of injuries all year and they're like, well, it never even ended up mattering. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of what happened last year, right? Like, wasn't it? Mikheyev went down in the last, last preseason, preseason game yep. and Hyman was out 
And they ended up, you know, I remember like thinking last year, like, oh, they're going to have to wave Engvall or they have to do something. And then all of a sudden they had a bunch of injuries and it was like, well, they didn't have to do anything. And then, you know, over the course of the year, like if you just have a bunch of guys who are hurt for a month at a time, which lots of NHL teams do. I mean, the typical man games loss for an NHL team is like, I think it's about 300 a year. I have, I'm looking at last year and I have 119 for the Leafs. Well, that's super low. But that includes some playoffs. Yeah, I guess that is low. Well, maybe it's 250. It depends who you include. Like, do you include like the minor league guy? Like, is Dahlstrom count against your man games lost? Does Jamie no. Benn count against their man games lost? No. But like on the official numbers, it does. So 300 is probably a bit high. It's, I remember I used to add it up every year. It's, it's too, it's higher than you think. But the point- there are teams that get up into like four, 450 and stuff like that in man games lost. Well, I guess if you have a guy miss the whole year, that's like 70, 80 yeah, games right there. Yeah. Well, isn't, isn't, is Dahlstrom the one that's out six months? Yeah. There you go. There's your, there's 70 games right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, obviously, Aston Reese, no surprise that he ends up making it. I, I think that's – I'm really interested to see how that line combination with him, Camp, and Abe Kubel works because I think they're going to just – it's going to be comical, like, what their numbers are going to look like. Well, I really like the look of the lines and everything. Like, yeah. Not, that's, and I think that that's what Sheldon Keefe was saying on Monday is – you know, yeah, we're really tight. Yeah, we have to make some decisions we don't love, but, you know, we really like the group that we've got. We like our depth. You know, and if so, if we have to go to California on the road trip and play one game with five defensemen, we feel like it's going to be worth it. Because when you get to the you get to the playoffs, there's no cap, and you, and you can have as many extra guys hanging around as you want. And if you're the Leafs, that's probably what matters the most, not if you – play San Jose with five defensemen in October. Well, because like inevitably they're going to be good enough in the regular season that it's not going to matter, right? Like even if they're short, like if they were, if they had to play short against Montreal, what, are, how much do their chances of winning that game decrease? Like probably not much yeah. if at all. Play your big guys a little bit more, right? Yeah. Like it's not really a huge issue. Um, before we take a break, let's talk a little bit about Wayne Simmons. Um, so he goes on waivers. It, it's not a surprise. Like we, we kind of started seeing, not kind of. We saw this coming last year just based on yeah. what was happening down the stretch. He started getting scratched. I didn't think he was going to play in the playoffs. Like, do you remember in March I wrote that piece? And, and I was kind of like, I didn't know if he wasn't going to play again in March. He was... Well... He, at, at one point, he had two assists and no goals in like 29 games or something. Like it was, And he was playing like seven minutes a game. Yeah, it ended up being like one goal in like 30 or four. Like it was not... It just looked like he was at the end, and then obviously you mentioned the playoffs. He plays the first two games, then he doesn't play again. Um, I don't know what like it 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 you kind of feel for him, um, but obviously when you sign that two year contract, this is kind of the risk that eventually, especially when you're making nine hundred grand, like it just time comes well, for you. Time is like that that saying. Time is undefeated. He's thirty four. He's played a lot of games. Hard style, not that quick. We didn't want to really like say it at that time, but when he signed two years, I, I think you and I probably both looked at that and we're like, I don't know about that. Yeah. It's like a reward for him, right? And, you know, he probably could have got a two-year deal somewhere else. I, I thought maybe a team would claim him on waivers, but, you know, then again, you look at, we've had a basically a flat cap for, what is it, four years now? Like, there's a lot of teams that are really, really tight. Like, I think Edmonton, was it, or Vancouver? It was Vancouver. One of the teams went in with zero dollars. Like they went, so the Leafs weren't even weren't even the tightest team. And and there's a lot of teams in LTIR, and there's going to be a lot of teams that play games short this year. And that's 
that's the result of of the pandemic CBA that they're working under. Well, and he just he he doesn't look like he he can play like regularly in the league anymore. Like that that's just what happens, right? You know. Like, no, I just thought that like Philadelphia or Arizona or like one of you know Buffalo, some yeah, a team I that guess. just like a team that can't like. I think Buffalo is like thirty million under the cap or whatever. I mean, like just carry him as your fourteenth forward. He he plays thirty games for you. He's in the dressing room with your team. Maybe he doesn't want that though. Like he, he's got a young family. He's from here. Maybe I don't know. Maybe playing for the Mar. I guess the only thing with Marley is like he's never played in the AHL. Bus rides. Like it's not. I mean, it is, so the options are going to be they try and find a trade for him. Elliot Friedman reported that the Leafs sent uh, an email out to the whole league saying that they want to do right by the player and they weren't looking for a return or whatever. They were just trying to find a place for him to go play. I don't know. I was going to say I think the Leafs probably should have sent that email out earlier than the day before you know, the day he goes on waivers. But then again, like I said, then said you're kind of telegraphing to him that he's not making the team. But I mean, like he's not, he's not, he knew. We knew like if you and I can tell he's not making the team two weeks ago, then he knows too. He's been around a long time. Yeah. I mean, like, but I, the thing though is if you have, you know, if Tavares gets hurt and he's out a month and he goes in LTIR, all of a sudden it's like, well, you can carry three, four extra guys and he would probably be one of them, right? Like if they had 14 forwards, he would, you would probably just keep him around. Yeah, I mean, like you think of like who will get called up if they had injuries. So Robertson is probably number one. Not probably. Robertson's number one. I'd say, I guess it depends on what the position is, but Holmberg might be number two. Maybe Steve's I'm is number two. I'm not even talking two. about playing though, Jonas. Like oh, if, just if, like if another guy. If the cap wasn't an option and you just could carry extra guys. Oh, yeah. They probably would have just them. be in the dressing room. Yeah. Like, so all it would have taken was one more injury like if if even if Engvall with his salary was missed a month and was on LTIR they would have just kept Simmons and they wouldn't waive him until November or whatever yeah all right let's take a let's take a break and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that um and then i want to get into our outlook for the season now that we've kind of seen the preseason we've had time to digest the roster a little bit more let's take a break looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, James. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about Simmons and any of the depth they have? I, I do think their depth has improved, and yet on defense, it's it's kind of it's it's thin-ish. But obviously, they'll get Lilgren back at some point. They well, they still have Victor Mete. Um, we should point out it's it's good news for them that yes, Clifford, Godet, Simmons, Godet especially, and, I think. And uh, yeah, but I thought maybe Mete could get claimed because just like a defenseman, yeah. You know, Ben ended up being hurt. He was a guy that if trying to get through waivers, they potentially could have lost for sure. Um, 
you know, and they still might lose someone on waivers through, but just with the, you know, the Leafs luck on waivers has been really, really poor the last few years. And they had some guys that were NHL caliber players. And, um, I think someone like Clifford, I mean, it's the good thing about having him around is that he seems to be able to clear all the time. So, you know, you run into injuries. He's a guy that can easily come up and give you eight or nine minutes on the fourth line and on the penalty kill. Yeah. So like now you kind of have like five guys, I think, that you'd look at and you'd be like, yeah, like in a pinch, Robertson, Holmberg, Clifford, Steves, Simmons. You know what? I was going to, you know, I thought Steves in the preseason had some good moments. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, is there anybody, I guess you could throw Joey Anderson in that bunch. Like I, I'm, I don't know if Joey Anderson's an NHL player at this point. We'll see. Um, well, I don't know if Andreas Janssen's an NHL player at this point. He got, he cleared waivers and got sent down on that contract. It's hard to believe given where he was three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hefty contract. How many years left does that contract have? It's probably at near the end, right? This is the last year, yeah, right? It was a four year deal, wasn't it? I will look not quickly. Has, I mean, we talked about this last week, but that was not a good contract. Uh, yeah, yeah last this year, is the last year of the deal. Oh, he's got a modified no trade clause this year too. <laughs> well, Sweet. The no trade clause. Do, no trade clause doesn't matter if you clear waivers and you go to the minors. There are some teams. Did you see that that Boston has something like five million, almost five million dollars buried? Well, they sent down three guys on big contracts, including uh, including X Leaf, X Leaf, Nick Foligno. That's the same thing as Simmons, right? Like the the end just comes quick, and you saw you started to see the signs of this, James, when they acquired him. Well, and then they tried to keep him too, right? Remember, yes. they like they were upset that they lost out on him, and I don't know exactly. So he ended up getting what two years at three point eight from Boston. Yes, which is a lot. Is a lot, and he had two goals in how many games? Sixty four games last year. I don't know for sure, but I think the Leafs were like two years at like three, I think. <sighs> or high twos anyway. They'll never they'll never tell, but they they wanted to keep them and you think the cap situation is tight now, like what would they I guess they would have to they would have to find a way to trade that contract if they had it, if the Leafs had it. But they would have been carrying that all of last year and you know, well, anyway. So it's a generally speaking, I think the Leafs front office makes a lot of good decisions, but there are some of those ones where it's like you know, like near miss ones, and you're like, oh boy. It felt like in that situation they fell in love with the person um, a little too much, like well, the intangible like what he was two years ago or something, right? Which he clearly is not anymore, right? Especially in that playoff series against the Leafs, where you, they're watching him every night and like heart and soul kind of guy, good defensively, right? Because he was so good for Columbus that that year against them. Yeah. Any other roster stuff you want to get to before we kind of dive into outlooks for the season? Mm. Goalies, defense, any of the new guys you want to touch on? Other The other thing I would say too, Jonas, is just looking at what happened around the league. Like there were a lot of interesting players that were on waivers the last yes. couple of days. And the other thing is if you're as tight as the Leafs, you can't, you're not a player in that space at all. Like they can't claim anybody. Well, and that's a mm, kind of a disadvantage, right? Not kind a of a little bit, yeah. Is, right? I mean, what if what if someone really good ends up there? I mean, I guess the other the Leafs aren't going to have high waiver priority, right? Like it goes in reverse order of the standings. So if someone really good's on waivers, they're not going to get them anyway. But 
I don't know. Like there was, I thought Arizona did a nice job. Like they got Valimaki, they got, uh, they claimed Ingram, right? The the goaltender, they did, the yeah, young young goalie who I who I really like. Um, you know, I, I I think if you're one of those teams on the low end, I mean, just claim a bunch of those guys, play them a bunch, and then trade them, you know, at, at the deadline and get an asset, or 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 you know, if they turn out well, sign them, and and but that's just not the position the Leafs are in right now, so. That's just kind of an offhand thought I had is that the Leafs really aren't even in that space at all if if they're as tight as they are on the roster. Well, man, that, that Arizona roster is <laughs> well, it's, it's <laughs> well, we, rough. So the Athletic, they asked all of the writers and the staff to make predictions for the season. And one of the questions was, who's going to finish last? And I didn't really spend a lot of time on that question. I don't know about you. No, it was pretty easy. Well, I mean, like there, the other there options are like what, like Chicago, Philadelphia, maybe. But like, I think Arizona is. This is their defense, and I'm looking at daily faceoff. Their top pair is Patrick Nemeth and Shane Gostisbehere, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Troy Stetcher and Connor Timmins on the second pair. Mm-hmm. Giannis Moser and Dyson Mayo on the third pair. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. The goalies are. Your boy Vegmelka and Jonas Johansson, yeah. and their top line is Travis Boyd, Nick Schmaltz, and Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller's good, and I'm kind of intrigued with Nick Schmaltz. Anyway, enough Coyote stock. Um, before we get to the season outlook, what do you think of them putting um, Muzzin and Hall back together again? I did want to ask you your opinion on that. I think it's kind of they just don't really feel like there's any other option they, they like. I think is is part of it, and I don't know that. At 39 years old, they want Giordano playing top four minutes. I mean, he's probably going to play 19, 18, 19 minutes regardless would be my yeah, suspicion. We'll, we'll see. But I, I think they want to, I think they want, they're, I think they're going to go back with Muzzin and Hall in, in relatively big minutes again. Well, until Lilligan returns and we'll see what happens then. What do you, th- I, I mean, yeah, I, that's true. I mean, Lilgren. I don't know. And and the thing too is that if let's say they don't have injuries and they got to trade somebody, it's going to be really interesting what they do. Like wouldn't it have to be Hall? Like don't we come back to this yeah, whole offseason question? Playing in, what if he's playing in the top 4 and he and Muzzin look good and good question. <laughs> what do you, you do? do? I don't know. Yeah. All then of a sudden, yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of I don't mind it because I think Sheldon Keith made a good point. He basically said like it was a really tough year for both those guys. Jake Muzzin talked a little bit during camp about how much pressure he put on himself last year, and you could honestly like just being around the team, you could really feel it. Like he felt tight, and then obviously he had the injuries, and like it just felt like every time they were on the ice together, like a goal was going in against Muzzin. Felt tight like when like early in the season, not tight in terms of like physically. Like he just felt tight, like he was wound up too tight. Um, right. and this year he, I even just talking to him in camp, like he feels like that's gone. Like he feels a little bit lighter. Like, I think he just kind of put too much pressure on himself. Um, last season, well, it seemed like he was playing injured last year, right? Like it just, and, and not playing well and making poor decisions. And he just didn't look like Jake Muzzin. And again, it could come back to what we're talking about with Felino and and you know I mean he's not a young guy. Nope, he'll be thirty four in the new year. All right, let's take another break, uh, and then I want to talk about the season uh, and what we're thinking about it and the Leafs prospects. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, James, um, we're looking ahead to the season, at least by Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. It's going to heat up in less than no time. It'll be like Christmas and we'll be like thinking ahead to the trade deadline. So as we sit now, what do you think of this team? Do you think it's going to be better than maybe you thought three weeks ago do you think it's going to be the same do you think it's worse like what what do you think in terms of how they sit in the division looking at some of the other teams how they sit in the league that's a you can basically take this question and run with it any way you want i think that they had a good preseason i liked what i saw i think they had a good training camp i think that some of the new players impressed me i liked what they're doing with the lineup in terms of spreading it out a little bit more um they don't have major injuries other than Logan. They don't they didn't lose anyone on waivers. I think that there's a there's a lot of positive. The the goalies looked good. So I feel better about the Leafs offseason and the roster that they've got now than I did two weeks ago, is what I would say. And I would also say you look around the league and Boston's diminished and has a lot of injuries. I don't I think the coaching change is gonna hurt Boston. I think the coaching change potentially could hurt Florida. I don't like what Florida did with their roster. Tampa loses some important players. I think that the Leafs sh- should win the Atlantic Division. I think they should. But it's going to come down to health and players like Muzzin, what they do when Logren gets back, uh, and how the goalies play. But I think that they're they're right there with the – they should be able to push past Tampa and Florida, but it's going to be close, and they're going to have to have a good season. Is this too strong a statement that it would be a disappointment for them if they didn't win the division? I think it should be, yeah. I think that that should be the goal. I think the goal for the organization should be enough of this. You know, like you can make the excuse all you want about getting Tampa in the first round, but... You didn't they, win the division. You have... Yeah, if you can win the division, you'll get an, you'll get an easier matchup. But you're starting to see finally... 
you know, the downswing for, for the lightning and, and to, and, and the, in Boston, although we, I mean, we've started, we've seen that for a while and age is going to start to catch up with those teams. So if you're the Leafs and then, and then you got the wave coming lower in, in the division, but it's going to take them some time. So I don't think Ottawa, Buffalo, uh, Detroit, uh, Montreal, like, I don't think they're going to be ready this year. They're probably not going to be ready next year to really be, you know, a contending team. If you're the Leafs and you can keep that window open for two, three, four years, you got a shot to, you know, potentially win the division for a couple more years. Yeah. I think and, that's right. uh, and you just keep taking runs at it. It's, the Atlantic's really interesting because it was such a, been such a powerhouse for a long time. Do you think it's, I think it's a little worse at the top and maybe a little bit better at the bottom, but not much better. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that one of those teams at the bottom could jump like 20, 25 points. You think so, really? They got a long way to come. I mean, didn't I, don't, I think Ottawa had 75 points last year and yes. then the other teams were even even lower than they were. So, they're, if even if they jump 20 points. 20 points still- is a lot, James. Let me ask you a question about that. Like, so... So some of the new guys they got, they got Debrinkat, they got Giroux. How many wins are those guys I worth? I didn't say Ottawa. I mean, it could be Buffalo that jumps twenty points. It could be Montreal. It could be Detroit. Twenty. I mean, look at. Det- I like what Detroit did. Like their roster is way better. I think you're overselling that many points. Like that's a lot of wins. That's more wins. How many points did Detroit have last year? Seventy four. All I'm saying is they could go from god awful to being in the playoff race. One of the well, I think one of those teams is I think is going to be around 90 is my prediction. Disagree. That's too many wins. I think it's like maybe they gain 5 None of those six. teams are going to be around 90 points. I think you're talking like Detroit maybe they gain 10 points and they're at 84. 20 points is a lot, James. That's a big jump. Yeah. That's too many wins. I like their young players. I like that they got I like that they got cop. They got so much more depth there. Look at their defense, man. Like it's We'll see I you know, they, they got a coaching upgrade. They got Cider. They got Huso in there. I, you can start to see the beginnings of how Detroit's going to start to make their rise. That's not 10 wins or whatever, eight wins. Anyway, let's go back to the Leafs. I, I think the point you made about the lineup is is a good point because they basically had fourth lines the last couple of years that were not helpful, didn't really have a purpose. And now it's like they have a fourth line that has a purpose. And maybe that third line... Like they they lose Mikheyev, they lose Kasha, but maybe with like if it's Yarnko, Kerfoot, Engvall, they can get similar maybe production out of that group, like a group that can kind of play against anyone. And obviously last year their third line was Camp, Mikheyev, and who else? Engvall, Kasha. Like it, their lineup is, I didn't think it would be this way, but their lineup actually feels deeper than it did, which I was not anticipating heading into camp. They've had a really hard time as an organization having four lines with the cap situation. And yeah. this feels like the first year where they've actually pulled it off. I, I, I feel like I said this on the last two shows, but like camp should be a fourth line center on a contending team. He shouldn't be your third line center. And and they've managed to, to pull that off when they're healthy. Now, the cap is going to take a bite out of something. Either you lose Hall or you got to trade one of the forwards. Or you got to trade Sandine or Logan, which I don't think they'll do. Well, and... You probably have to trade a forward making something, no? You'd have to trade a forward making 1.4 or more. So well, it's it not a lot like of guys a, like that. Angval, you know. Camp. You'd, you'd, yeah. Yeah. You, it, I, I don't know. It, it, it's probably Hall. 
But then, then you're in a in a situation where it's either Lilligren or Sandine in your top four. Yes. Just just around that out, James. This was our fourth line uh, for the start of the 1920 season. Timoshov, Shore, Gauthier. That was opening night. Yeah, and like that was a team that people viewed as a contending team. Mm-hmm. That was a team that people thought, you know, like that their window was open, and and that's not a good line. No, guys can't play. And in the 2020-21 season, it was Barabanov, Spezza, Simmons. And then last year, it was... Let me find it here, James. It was Spezza, Amadio, Simmons. And today it is Aston Reese, Kampf, Abe Kubel. I like Abe Kubel. I think he's a player. Like, I think he's good. His biggest problem, you know... I've been Haley Salvian had a good story about him last week. His biggest problem actually is he takes a lot of dumb penalties. So he's gonna I don't think that Sheldon Keefe's not gonna love that if that is something he continues here. He's a good skater and he's very, very aggressive for checking wise. I was looking at some of the uh what would you call them? Like some of the the ad- more advanced statistics on him. And when he was in Philadelphia, he was like scoring near the top of the league in, in terms of how well he forechecks. Yeah. He's aggressive and he's physical. Like, and so you put him with Aston Reese, it's like they're going to be annoying to play against. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's nice for them to have that utility on, uh, on, on a fourth line. And it's almost the, the, one of the good things about that as a coaching staff is who your fourth line is can change game to game. And if that line is going, then you play them more and, you know, if, if, and you can play them situationally too. Like, let's say you get a two goal lead in the first period, you're going to play that line more to shut things down. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you need a goal, you play the other line more. Yeah. And they just, they, they haven't had that at their, in their arsenal where they can kind of mix and match things like that in the past. The other thing we haven't spent very much time at all in the preseason talking about just before we close out is the goaltending. I mean, the, the best possible situation for the goaltenders and training camp and preseason was basically how it went. They played well. They didn't get hurt. But it's going to be a long season. Like, this is going to be a central point to watch is obviously how Matt Murray plays and then how Samsonov plays. I, I guess, like, your your thoughts probably haven't changed at all on that front. No, other than I thought they, they were solid. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I've been reading a lot more about Murray and, and Samsonov throughout the course of the preseason I was reading about them on the weekend and just looking at their history and both those guys have big question marks hanging over their head and and with good reason and and their previous organizations you know for for Pittsburgh to move on from Matt Murray after how well he had played when he was young yeah they really lost belief in him and same with Washington and Samsonov like they just you know they did they didn't qualify him like they they could have kept him for fairly easily and they're like they just don't believe in those players and those are pretty smart good organizations that have won stanley cups in recent years so both of those guys have a lot to prove in this league and it's going to go one way or the other for them either they're going to reestablish themselves as nhl players or maybe they aren't going to be in the league that much longer so it's it's really really big for them personally to to step up here yeah i mentioned this on the athletic hockey show i just think they kind of need let's say Murray to just be like a game manager, like in football, just be, just be fine. Don't cost them games. Don't get hurt. Obviously just be, just be good enough because this team obviously is, is built to, a, to be pretty good in the regular season, obviously. And we'll see in the playoffs. I don't think the Leafs get credit for how good they are defensively. Like it, it no. you know, when you see 
sometimes when you see people out of market talk about them, it's like, oh, it's just Matthews and Marner and high-powered offense and all their money spent on the forwards. But, you know, like over the last two years, whether you want to credit the coaching staff or the personnel, and I think the personnel, I mean, this is, we'll see what Muzzin gives them. We'll see how Hall plays. Mm-hmm. But the the personnel with, with how Lilligren played last year, how Sandine played last year, is a pretty good blue line. And then having Giordano for a full season, it's pretty good. Yep. We'll see we'll see how those guys, like obviously those guys are getting up there in age. We'll see how that plays out. But obviously Sandy and Lilligren, if they can continue to, I don't know, ascend. Well, it's part of why, you, you remember right after the season finished, uh, we were talking a lot about, well, what if they traded Muzzin and like they, they turned it over to the young guys a little bit more and that would open up 5.6 million in cap space and they could do something different up front and they could really lean on Sandine and Logren this year. And so the belief's not all the way there in the organization because they, they could have looked at doing something like that. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting how that plays out. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing that the organization needs to hope for is that the goaltending holds up well enough that they don't get into February and they're like, we need a goal. Oh boy, James. <laughs> right? Oh like, boy. They they would much rather be in a situation where at the deadline they're acquiring a defenseman or another forward or something as opposed yes, to- Yes, 100%. As opposed to having to scramble to find a goalie in February, which as we saw last year is really hard to do. Yes. They're just, I mean, you and I put together a list. Like, just there just aren't a lot of guys you can be like, eh. That guy's great. All right, James. Uh, I think we got to leave it there. Um, I think we'll talk. It's a shorty, but but yeah, we, we might be back here. Uh, we got the, the two games back to back. The, the games are coming fast and furious here right away. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll try and mix in a podcast as soon as we can here. Maybe after the first two games. Agreed. Thank you uh, to everyone who listens. We really appreciate the support. Um, as always... We have fun doing this. We're embarking on the 20, what is this, 22, 23 season, James? It's been a while. We're <laughs> That is what year it is, yes. Okay, great. Okay, well, I will talk to you later, James. Thank you and enjoy the games this week. Goodbye.